Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of the Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Jackie Meyer here with the Concierge CPA podcast. I have a very funny tax attorney special guest for you today, Steve Moskowitz. And I have a lot of questions for him. I know he has a few things in particular that he wants to talk about as well. But let me do a quick introduction, Steve, and then I will turn it over to you to kind of fill in some gaps. Is that okay? Sounds great. Perfect. So you were at a international tax firm or accounting firm long time ago, what, three decades ago, and you started to become upset with the fact that small business owners weren't getting the same representation that large corporations were. And so you decided to go out on your own and help out kind of the little guys. Is that what happened? Absolutely. Because I, I took a look and that's one of the reasons I became a tax attorney. Because I took a look at the Fortune 500 and the big firm I I worked for, that was the clients, the Fortune 500. And I said, wow, these people make so incredible much money and they legally don't pay taxes. And we can have a giant corporation paying less taxes than mom and pop on the corner. How could that be? I want to learn the secrets. So that's why I went to law school, not to do divorces or chase ambulances, but to learn about taxes. And and I was when I went to law school, I already had a bachelor's and master's degree in accounting. I was already a practicing CPA doing taxes, but I wanted to learn the fancy stuff like the Fortune 500 to, and bring it to the much smaller than Fortune 500 companies. And you can make such a difference in somebody's life. Some of the things can be real simple, and then you get into the fancy too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so you started your own firm in San Francisco. How many people are on your team? I have 40 people with me now. Nice. Okay. So very good size, middle, middle of the road practice. And is there any particular type of tax law that you specialize in? We do everything in tax, but one of the things that has me really excited now is ERC, employee retention credit. This is where the government is giving away money. They're giving away up to $26,000 for every employee that you have that qualifies. So if you had 10 employees that qualify, that's up to just over a quarter of a million dollars. If you had 20 employees, up to just over a half million and so on. And the reason I say giving away, it's a grant. It's not a loan. It's not even like PPP where it started out as a loan. They have said, well, look, I spent it on payroll and I spent it on rent. So forgive it. Right. Do whatever you want with the money. It's just, it's a, it's a gift from the United States government, which I would say it's about time with whatever everything else they do with the money, but this has really helped out American business. And I know that most of your viewers are accountants and accounting firms. This is something you can do for your clients and you can do it for yourself as well. And there's two different ways 
to qualify. I call it the easy way and the complex way. The easy okay. way is if your gross revenue dropped by a certain amount. So we're comparing our numbers for 2019, 20, and 21. So if our 21 gross revenue, excluding PPP, is down by 20% or more, that qualifies us. And for 2020, it's 50% or more. That's where you should start. That's terrific. If it's down, there's nothing to think about. Talk about a number is a number. One plus one is two. There's no argument about that. Okay. But a lot of clients didn't have their gross revenue go down. As a matter of fact, some of them actually had it went up. Do they still call? How could you have revenue go up and still have business problems? One of my clients expressed it perfectly. He said before COVID, the product he sold cost him $7 a unit. With the price increases, now it cost him $22. He had to raise his prices to cover costs. So his gross revenue was actually more, but he lost a lot of business. A lot of customers said, no, I won't pay it. So he lost a lot of business. So the second test is a more complex test and you have to think about it. The second test is, did you have a full or partial closure of your business? So what's an example of that? For example, here in California, from the beginning of the pandemic until 6-15-21, every business that operated inside could only use the inside up to 25% of capacity. So suppose you had a really essential business like a food store. What's more essential than that? But the food stores, like every other business, could only use 25% capacity. That means you had a 75% partial closure. That's an example. Right. Another one is supply chain disruptions. And an awful lot of people had supply chain interruptions. So if you had those, that may qualify you. But the second way, take some work, take some time. Sometimes you have to give your clients some homework, but it's mm -hmm. worthwhile because, I mean, think about it. If, you know, again, the math test is great, but there's an awful lot of people that qualify. And the law specifically says, you can even check it out in the IRS website. It's either or method. So the second method is more work, but so what if your clients are legally entitled to the sum of money you know, you don't want your clients suing you for malpractice and saying, hey, you told me I didn't qualify, the statute of limitations ran, and now I found out I could have gotten X number of dollars. That's your fault. You write me a check. So you don't want that to happen either. You want to serve yeah, your clients well, get them the max, and not subject yourself to liability. So mm -hmm. this is an area with that second area. You, you need to go in and discover, did your clients fit under this category. And if they did, by all means, get them that to which they're legally entitled. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the supply chain disruption component. Um, and so are you qualifying or you've seen a lot of clients qualify under that? Well, sure. Suppose you have this situation. Suppose you're a plumber and you say, well, you know, all my, all my work is outside. Nobody even comes into my business. I don't have the 25% capacity rules. And I supply hot water heaters to my clients. I used to be able to pick up the water heater within a day. Now I had to wait a month. People, or most people, are not going to wait a month to take a hot shower. So they say, well, mm -hmm. look, Mr. Plumber, even though you're my plumber, if I can't get it from you, I'll call everybody and somebody must have the water heater. You lost that water heater sale. 
And wow. that goes on and on. And I've seen countless examples where people have lost a lot of business because people said, well, no, I won't wait or I can't wait or I'll go to somebody else. And that has adversely affected a lot of people's businesses. Yeah, for sure. And are you, do you think that a third party kind of ERC specialist should be involved in this for accountants? Or do you think that accountants are able to kind of manage that on their own? Oh, I'm not have to give you a lawyer's answer. <laughs> that depends because what happens is, and I love CPAs and, you know, I was a CPA before I was a tax attorney, but it's been my experience that a lot of CPAs don't want to do anything unless it has a number attached to it. And what I've seen is a lot of CPAs will say to a client, no, you don't qualify because they didn't qualify under the gross revenue test. But the client did qualify under the facts and circumstances test. And what I'm worried about for those CPAs, if you told the client you didn't qualify and then the client sees a show like this or he's talking to his friend or his neighbor and says, well, gee, you know, my my revenue didn't go down like that, but my lawyer got me two million bucks. So well, wait a minute, how did that happen? They find out about it. Those CPAs could wind up getting sued. So the bottom line is I, I would say, you know, either be an expert or bring in somebody that thinks he knows something about it because I'm sure everybody wants the best for his clients, his or her clients, but also you don't get sued for malpractice. And some of these people are going to sue you when they find out. Oh, what a mess. Okay. But no, definitely really interesting stuff. Um, do you do a lot of IRS representation? Yes, we do a lot of that. And okay. Tell me about an interesting case that you're working on or that you have worked on. You know, when I started the practice out, I, you know, the, the clients weren't beating the door down to retain you. So I was a professor at nights and I told the new lawyers, I said, you know, the law is not some dusty old books where you're reading a case from England. That's not real life. This is people's lives. It laughs, it cries, it breathes, it bleeds. And a lot of times what happens is people are in for the fight of their lives because if they lose, they're going to lose everything they've worked for in a lifetime. And mm -hmm. I remember one of my most interesting cases was I had a client who was in that situation and his case, most cases wind up settling and you don't have to go to trial, but his went to trial. And I remember him reminding me every five minutes, if I lost his case, he'd lose everything he worked for. And his family in my other year was also reminding me that, but to give you an idea, we should know how the system works. So you start off with an audit and you go in and meet with the auditor and that's the lowest level. And the auditor is pretty, you know, rigid. Either something fits in a box or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it's disallowed or here's your tax bill payout. Mm -hmm. And then what happens, and I would, I'm going to call it a mistake that a lot of accountants make. If you stop there, you got a much better deal in many cases. Suppose that the accountant thinks that the auditor is wrong. Well, what most accountants do is they file an appeal. But there's a problem there because the appeals officer knows that you're the last, that he's your last stop. Maybe he'll give you a little better deal, but he's your last stop. As lawyers, what we do in that same situation, if we disagree with the auditor, I'll just say to him, okay, you're too tough for me. And then I'll file a tax court petition. Only costs $60 a filing fee. And mm. basically we say the taxpayer doesn't know the money. And then the bad, evil attorney, that's the IRS attorney, he or she says, yes, you owe every penny. 
There's only 19 judges for the whole country, presidentially appointed. They don't look at your paperwork. It goes back to the local office for a settlement attempt. It now goes to the very same appeals officer that the accountant applied to. And the accountant says, well, wait a minute. Why, Mr. Attorney, did you take that circuitous path and spend the $60 filing fee when you wind up with the exact same person in the exact same place that I did just going directly in? Two reasons. One, procedurally, it shifts the burden of proof from the taxpayer to the government for any new issues raised by the government so they don't raise them. Because a lot of times what happens is the auditor isn't as sophisticated as the appeals officer, so the, the taxpayer... Mm -hmm has done something wrong that the auditor didn't say, but the auditor picks up something else that was right and he thinks is wrong. So you go to the appeals okay. officer and he says, well, okay, you're right, but by the, way, by the way, since you're here, this other item I want to talk to you about. If you go the tax court route, they can't do that because it shifts the burden of proof. Not that they oh. can't, but they won't because of you know, all the problems. That's one. And statistically, if you look at the statistics, the appeals officers give much better settlements on docketed cases, a docketed case is what I've described, where you've docketed in the tax court, you filed in the tax court. Because mm -hmm. with the case that goes directly into them, if they know they're the last stop, they don't give you such a good deal. Whereas when the lawyer puts it in the tax court, the case will automatically go back in the tax court unless the lawyer does something to stop it from going back in. That's why they give so much better deal. And if you think about the way things are set up, there's literally, you know, these 19 presidentially appointed judges that travel all over the country. They really would prefer not to hear your case. They, sure. they have these all these settlement officers in between and say, can't we work something out? So there's that. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I know you told me to keep it down to 10 hours during our meeting here. <laughs> oh, I'm getting 20. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so what, what happens is there, there's so much like that where just knowing something like that can really help out a client. And I've always said my whole life, you should take everything to which you're legally entitled, no more and no less. A lot of people don't because they're so afraid of an audit. And what I say is, well, it's like driving a car. Almost everybody drives a car. At some point in your life driving a car, a police officer is going to pull you over to talk to you for some infraction or to check your license or a report or something. Does that mean you're not going to drive a car because... Mm -hmm. At some point in your life, you might have a confrontation with organized law enforcement. Come on. So yeah. it's just, again, you take everything to which you're legally entitled, no more and no less. Okay. And so going back to the that, that concept of kind of circumventing uh, the appeals officer and then coming back to them, where when does that cost benefit make sense for the accountant? Anytime the accountant disagrees with the IRS initial IRS assigned agent, well, should an attorney get involved? Unless he's a member of the tax court. Right, right. So, so at, you know, at what wanna... point do you go ahead and get an attorney involved? I would say rule of reason, you know, how much is involved in, in, in any tax case. The first thing I think you would say is. How much is involved is a very small amount doesn't even pay for the accountant to deal with it at, at some point if the accountant says you know my fee to bring your tax down to zero is going to be more than the tax in most cases you don't want to do it however it's going to set a precedent you do an example would be suppose you have an activity that loses some money and the irs says aha disallowed that's a hobby and you say well wait a minute 
it's not a hobby and I expect my client's going to be incurring a whole bunch of expenses before this thing turns profitable, I want to set the precedent. So that can be a case where even though paying for the accountant or the attorney to represent you is worthwhile because you don't want to have the wrong precedent set for future years. Sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Okay. And so going back to one of the earlier cases that you represented and it was, you know, life or death kind of stakes. Did you win that case? Of course. That's what I based my career on is winning <laughs> okay. cases. But no, you have somebody's life in your hands. It's like a surgeon. Yeah. It's like that gentleman I, I was telling you about, this one had to go to trial. And what happened was it, it was a, a sad case where, where people were testifying against my client, but they were lying. And I felt they were lying. And I looked at the jury and I said, look, they're lying. And they were lying and the jury saw it. And mm. my guy didn't owe any of the taxes. So the bottom line is that's what you have to remember. And there, there's all types of things. You know, in most cases, it's not like watching a movie or a TV show about a trial. Almost everything settles, but at a much better for the taxpayer rate than just the initial auditor saying you've done wrong and pay this amount. You have no recourse to put the right of check. Sure. Okay. What are you seeing that the IRS is focusing on a lot the last couple of years? Well, they're making a shift. And with the new hiring 87,000 new IRS agents, President Biden said that for every dollar he gives to the IRS, he expects them to collect multiple dollars and bring it back into the government. It, without being political. Now, I mean, the government has done a lot of good things. Like, I think PPP was absolutely necessary to and ERC to stave off a major depression. Mm. But the government, I, I see the money flowing into our clients. The government has aiding foreign countries like with Ukraine. I, I feel for those poor people being attacked. And we're supplying basically a big lifeline to them. But look at look at all the expense that goes along with it, not to mention all kinds of other government programs. There was RRF, Restaurant Revitalization Fund. There's something special for the arts. There's all kinds of programs. The government has given away so much money that they need to recover it. And when you enforce current tax laws, the government doesn't get the pushback when you do a tax increase. For example, remember when we were children and President Bush said, read my lips, no tax increase. Uh -huh. and then he fibbed to us and he did have a tax increase. That cost him being his second term. Uh -huh. People get really upset when their taxes are, are raised. But people don't get upset when the laws are enforced because they say, well, I'm paying my taxes. And if some other guy isn't paying his, hey, you should get the money out of them. So that is part of the purpose of these 87,000 new agents to collect a lot of money. So what we're seeing is a lot of, and it's, it's coming up, or raises that are coming up too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so is there particular advice that you could give to us accountants in regards to what to expect over the next few years with the increased audits? Well, what I, you know, the, the traditional things that I always tell clients, you have good record keeping. And a lot of times clients will 
provide the account with a shoebox and things are missing and wrong, I would suggest that the accountant explain to the client, you know what, it would really, really, really be in your best interest because then you won't miss them. And if they're falling, the records as receipt someplace here. Not to mention, you need the records for tax planning. Tax planning can save people so much money, like pensions. That and I use the term pension, retirement accounts interchangeably, although there are technical di differences. But the bottom line is, you know, that's something I always recommend to clients. There's four big benefits there. One, pay less taxes. Most people say, "Sign me up" when they hear that. <clears throat> Two, your pension income isn't taxed while it sits there. It may sit there for many years. Obviously, no brainer. If you get to reinvest money instead of writing a check to the IRS, your fund is a lot bigger and grows a lot faster, of course. Three, cash flow. In tax planning, in almost all cases, you have to write the check by December 31st, year one. Whereas a pension with most of them, and there's over 20 different types, with most of them, you have a term plus extension, which means essentially you put your client on extension, the client has about three quarters of the way into year two to set up and fund the pension mm -hmm. that he or she can deduct from year one. That's a tremendous benefit. And the yeah. flexibility there also has a suppose you have a really good year. You say I have an unusually good year and love making all that money, but I don't love paying all those taxes. With a lot of the pensions, what you can do is make multiple plan year contributions in one calendar year and have an enormous deduction to offset that enormous income. Yeah. And fourth, there's all kinds of special protections on the pension money under federal law. So what happens is, you know, you're in business a lot of times, people love to sue people in business. And if the jury gives away an amount in excess of your insurance, one lawsuit can take away everything you've worked for in a lifetime, mm. but not your pension. And although I hate to mention his name, the poster boy for this is O.J. Simpson. As we know, O.J. has had a multi-million dollar judgment against him for a long time, not lost one penny of his pension. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's all great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very insightful. And uh, COVID regulations have made it actually easier to fund the pensions in the after the tax year through the extended deadline and whatnot as well. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, we had a client that qualified for about 300K per year and was able to a pension and they were able to catch up about 1.1 mil in one year deductible towards their pension, which was really exciting for them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's neat. Okay, Steve. Well, um, how can people reach out to you or contact you if they might want to get in touch or get some help with a case or something like that? Call us at 888-TAX-DEAL. That's 888-T-A-X-D-E-A-L, 888-TAX-DEAL, or MoskowitzLLP.com, M-O-S-K-O-W-I-T-Z-L-L-P.com. Perfect. Steve, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate your insights today. And My pleasure. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.
you for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.